Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me today I have two guests. I've got Dan. How are you, Dan? Oh, look, I'm a little under the weather, but um, I'm here. Brilliant. Good stuff. And we've also got Mike. How are you, Mike? Hey, yeah, going well, going well. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll start with, uh, well, I guess I'll start with um, Mike on this one. Um, brilliant win against Bristol City on the weekend. Great way to get the season um, off on the right foot. Um, what, what did you make of the game overall? And um, I guess there's a few different elements that we'll talk about in more detail, but just overall thoughts on the game. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we can't complain. We, we started the season with a win, but there are some things to be worried about, I think defensively our set piece marking is what let us down uh for that first goal uh but i think we showed some resilience to come back from it and, and we finished the first half uh, pretty well unlucky to score i think at the end uh, there was a bit of a, a scramble in the box for the last kind of minute uh but then kind of came out strong and uh the the lineup was definitely a question mark i think we were all a little bit confused but at the end of the day, a result's a result, and I think we, we actually had the upper hand uh, for about 70 to 80% of the game. Yeah, you, you talk about the lineup there. Um, obviously, the news that Callum Elder was out with illness um, meant that we didn't really have a fit left wing back to play. Dan, when we saw the lineup, I mean, my first instinct was that it was a 4 3 3 with, I guess, either Figueredo or um, Jones playing left back and then Ali sort of sitting in behind the strikers. I guess my mind went to that because of what we talked about last week on the podcast. Um, what did you make? Was, was it last week? No, that, sorry, that was with um, that was with Logan, wasn't it? Um, but what, what did you make of, I guess, the formation that we did play and um, Ali's role, I guess, at left wing back? Uh, yeah, look, it was a little bit of a. Um, I guess I had an hour to try and determine what that was going to look like um, once I'd seen it, but uh, it probably did surprise me, but I didn't, I sort of looked at how it, it sort of seemed to me that it was going to be similar to that, the three, five, two um, that we sort of have played a little bit. Um, and I sort of picked, just sort of said, I assumed that Ali would sort of slid in it, slot in there as, as I saw it, but um, it was still like, I sort of saw it and went, Oh, that's a risk. Um, but and I think he he did it. He did look. We we've talked about this before. I think off air, but like he did. I think he did really well there for like an unfamiliar position. Um, you know, I think I said like I, I give him a ten out of ten for his effort and his application to that role. You know, he got forward, he got back, he was putting pressure on uh, Sykes like constantly throughout the throughout that um, little ongoing duel that they had um he left a few marks on him too um you know and that's probably i think where mike sort of referenced some of defensive issue, issues as well i think that sort of ties in where i wasn't overly uh <clears throat> confident that you know moving forward if, if that was going to be ali's position you know for an extended period of time whether that would necessarily play out the way we want i think he defend he, he defends like a forward um, yeah. he, he puts a lot of pressure on, but in terms of actually like really slowing the play or slowing or stopping the player that much, the only way he ever managed to really do that was by taking the player out, which is not ideal. Because um, I think I thought he was fairly well beaten for a couple of crosses in the corner that very feasibly, you know, nine times out of ten should have been blocked for a corner or a throw. Um, yeah. So. I think in that regard, that wasn't the best, but I think like for, for you know, so for where he has played previously and like his gen, normal position to be thrust into that position um, as left wing back and do, you know, and stick to his tasks so wonderfully with such a high level of enthusiasm and commitment, I think um, just shows what a player he, he is and what he's capable of doing. So moving yeah. forward, he's... Good, good, good commitment to the club. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Mike, I mean... Four fouls for Ali in the game. Didn't get a yellow card, I don't believe. I don't think there was any yellow cards. Oh, they might have got a yellow card, I think, late on. I can't quite remember. But, um, four, yeah, four fouls committed. Um, I think the next most in the side was one. I mean, as Dan says, can't fault his endeavour, really put the effort in and, and really put in a shift for the club. Um, but what were your thoughts, I guess? Yeah, you sort of mentioned before defensive issues, I guess. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I think I said this off air that um, I'm pretty sure that uh, they were they were scared to get the ball out to that side of the pitch because <laughs> they knew that that uh, a boot was coming in. And I think uh, Dan mentioned it, like he put pressure on Sykes, uh, but within the first few minutes, Sykes steps around him because he's lunged in, puts a cross in uh, to James and Ingram makes the most unreal save for the first like five minutes of the game. Without that, like we're down one nil purely because of a, like a dive in to a defender. Um, yeah. Sorry, into Sykes. Um, I really like the aggression. I think um, it's, he, he's, he's just committed and I think everyone can see that. And I think that's why he was such a fan favorite when he joined last season and it's why people were calling him back. Like he, he's just passionate. Um, but yeah, in terms of defensive, I guess, flaws last season, we were horrible at defending set pieces. It was every time we'd conceded a corner or a free kick, I had like a 20%, just like something's going to happen. We're either going to give away a pen, they're going to score. It's going to be a handball or something. Uh, and, and albeit that's what happened this time. Um, we, we, uh, yeah, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't the best defending, but I think uh, we're, we're improving slowly. And I think if we had, you know, Elder out on that side, as opposed to an, an out and out winger, um, we may have been able to close that down. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was interesting because people were sort of saying, oh, Elder came on late and that was when Bristol City started to look more dangerous and get more joy. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's the case. I think once we scored, they just, stop parking the bus and wasting time that they'd been doing for about 60 minutes of the match and actually had a go. Um, so I don't necessarily think that's, I, I thought Elder had a really solid game when he came on and it was his long throw that set up Seri for the winner as well. So <clears throat> as you say, I think if Elder's fit on the weekend, I'd want to see him back there at, at left wing back because the other element um, we haven't really touched on is that Slater was essentially sacrificing his game to to give Ali a bit more defensive protection um, which means that you're essentially using two players to play one role, which doesn't really work in theory. Um, I think Slater still played reasonably well, but it doesn't quite seem quite work out. You're almost playing like a left wing with a left back. Well, yeah, you're almost playing like a left, you're playing a right wing back in, in coil and then you're playing like a left wing and a left back. So it's like a really sort of stilted formation, I guess. Um but, yeah, no, look, can't fault his effort and uh, his aggression, certainly. Um, I guess the other play, or the, there's a few other players to touch on. Um, two fans game, I thought, in midfield really surprised me. And it's it's uh, pretty made a shame for putting him as uh, most improved player because I don't think he's going to have much of a bar to to climb up from um, if that's sort of the, the, you know, the floor of his ability at City. Um, really, I thought, really well-struck penalty. Like, that was one of the more confident penalties that I've seen hit. Um, and he he reminded me not of Huddleston in the sense that like he's a lot more mobile, but the fact that because he's not as fit as he might be in a couple of weeks, he was able to just receive the ball and then just spray off passes without much effort and much uh, much mobility, um, like that ball over the top for um, Oscar that we'll talk about the penalty shouts in a second. But um, yeah, Dan, I guess first of all from you, your thoughts on um, two fans game and I guess like all the all the new players. Look, I feel like the um, shot is just about bamboozled everyone with the preseason setup and the preseason form and the preseason games versus uh, the first game of the season because, like, it, too far, too far, was almost unrecognizable compared to only a week or so ago when we watched um, against you know Posh or Leicester, like just crazy. The level of difference, the level of you know work ethic, even in that, there was sometimes late in the game where he was tracking forty or fifty meters to to stop a breakaway. So I thought Tufan had a, a great <coughs> game. So I've just pronounced his name about four different times in about eight seconds. <coughs> had a great had a great game. Um, and as you say, the, the the quality that he possesses, um, he was able to really show that um, on the weekend. So I think that was that was really pleasing. Um, and then, yeah, I guess with the other new guys, Figueredo was was solid. Uh, potential concern with that late, um, looked like hamstring or something yeah. uh, issue. He seemed to be uh, able to run. He played. What was it? He moved up mm. to striker or something. So it seemed like 
I mean, maybe it's a strain that'll keep him out on the weekend, but hopefully nothing too serious. Yeah. Um, not not sure, but yeah, I think the fact that he stayed on at least is whether that is just a shows, you know, his combative spirit or shows that the injury is not, you know, maybe super serious. Um, either of those I'm sort of happy with. I think we talked we talked a few times about how desperately over the last couple of years we wanted an experienced, you know, centre half who was really going to help, you know, Greaves, Jones, McLaughlin sort of reach in a new level. Um, and I think he he could very well be the sort of guy who's going to do that um, as a nice hardened centre half who's um, you know and with with plenty of experience and you know played in a promotion winning team last season so. I think that was a, he's a really good acquisition, and I thought he played um, played really well on the weekend as well. Um, where do you go next? Uh, Sarah, Sarah did what he does. Created the most chances in the entire division, I think. Yeah, look, I, he just surprised me. Yeah, he. Um, we've been talking about making all these different comparisons to who he's like, and I think a couple of weeks ago when we were, I was last on, I talked about how he's, you know, like a more mobile Huddleston. And now I'm looking at him and I'm you know, like, oh, he's almost like a Perlo or something like that as well, like who just like can just keep the ball ticking around and keep the game moving and dictate the pace of the game. And did that, um, yeah, just again, did, did really well of just, with just receiving the ball, keeping it moving, you know, picking the moments to, you know, um, to move forward or to just slow it down. Um, and, you know, popped up with Shaw, a, you know, a lucky goal at the end but I mean swings and roundabouts right how many times have we you know been on the receiving end of poor luck so it's about time some of it went our way I reckon yeah no absolutely Mike, Mike, maybe Mike I'll bring you in there as well um, your thoughts on on Seri and Tufan in particular in midfield um, Figueredo as well and then and then we can talk about those um, penalty shouts and uh, I guess the other new boys up forward yeah I think Dan, Dan said it right we've we've had a young defensive line for a while now um and I think we've been missing someone like Figueredo and I think the last person that I can really put my my finger on is someone like Davis just composed and and strong and just helps the youngsters learn where to where to be and and how to defend and I think having Figueredo I'm not sure like if he played on either side I'm not sure if he played in the middle but having him around the likes of um Jones and and Greaves is is going to help them grow so much faster now um, rather than having like McLaughlin, um, Jones and Greaves. So I'm a big fan and I think, yeah, maybe we should chuck him up at striker more often. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then I think what, what sums up for me, um, Seri and Tufan was Seri leaving the ball for Tufan and then him taking a shot and hitting the post. Um, yeah, yeah. Good that, that for me was, it just summed up what our, what the two of them are going to be like. Um, Seri being the more creative and Tufan just like knowing where the ball should go um, and not being afraid to take a shot. Um, and I think he deserved the goal, um, especially it also, after. Yeah, it also shows like the, the understanding they're already developing that, that, they, yeah. you know, that Seri's leaving that ball for Tufan because he knows his range and, and knows his ability. Yeah, for sure. And I think someone we probably haven't spoken about enough is Oscar. Um, yeah. I won't even try pronounce the second name because I know that I'm going to get it wrong. And if Dan said two fans' name four times, I'm going to say Oscar's about 16. Um, <laughs> but we haven't... I think he kind of gives me Abel Hernandez vibes at times. Um, he's making good runs. He can hold the ball up. He's running, like, he's trying to split the defence. Um, and, you know, Ali almost set him up uh, in, in the first half with, with an in-swinging cross. He was, he was inches away. From getting his boot to it and I think we said it offline having a striker throw themselves at the ball is something that we've needed um and you know Tete coming on in the second half and, and just being able to control the ball and um and just be that presence of a, of a strong striker is really important so I think when when they're both fit and ready I'd be super excited to see Oscar and Tete up front uh, together yeah, I was trying to think when you said that about um, Hernandez. I'm like, I'm trying to think who both Oscar, Oscar and Tete remind me of in terms of strikers that we've had. And 
I almost feel like maybe in Doi or someone like that. I mean, it's really hard to think of a comparison for Oscar because he's that tall, strong striker, but he's also really coordinated and uh, makes those perfect runs. Like the amount of, like, I think there was two or three times where he sort of broke through their line to get on the end of a ball where previously it would have been Magenis or Eves being flagged offside. Um, and his ability on the ball as well, like when he made the Bristol City player as well. And it's like, okay, this guy's not just sort of, a, you know, a lumbering sort of, tall man he can actually play with the ball at his feet as well um and he's got a bit of pace on him as well which is awesome to see and it, it's just this it's just this weird feeling like Tede came on the um the penalty which we'll talk about um like the chest control off the coil cross which i thought was overhit on first um first watch um it's like we've actually got strikers up front with a fair bit of ability who can actually sort of create these chances themselves and not just rely on the perfect ball in to get them to get them a goal um, but yeah, I mean, Dan, I'll start with you then, I guess, talking about Oscar, um, penalty shouts in the first half before we talk about penalty in the second half, um, first on Greaves and then moments later on Oscar, I think live or, or, you know, after a few minutes, we were sort of talking about it. Instinct was that the Greaves one looked pretty nailed on, um, but that the Oscar one maybe was a bit, would have been a bit soft to be given. Yeah, look, before I answer that question, I just have one thing to say about the yeah. Oscar Tete thing. And I think the another element to that is that for once when we've subbed off our primary number nine, the replacement is, like, equally as good. Whereas yeah. previous, there's been times over the last couple of seasons where it's like, we're like, oh, you know, our, you know, when Eves was in form or whatever, like, okay, we're, we're subbing Eves off. Who are we bringing on? It's like, you know, Marcus Tyler Smith, or yeah. Tyler Smith and you're like, oh. What's this gonna like? What's gonna happen yeah. now? Who's where? Where is this gonna? We're already struggling to find a goal. Where is it gonna come from now? But like, Oscar goes off, Tete comes on, you go, what? and it's yeah. not really like a big. It's not a big change, and I think that's just, I guess, testament to the work that Ajun has done in bringing in, you know, and all of the other, you know, Tan Kessler and everyone in bringing this caliber of players in. Um, <clears throat> in regards to the penalty shouts, yeah, look, uh, Greaves doing what he's actually turned into a bit of a habit in those like sort of forays forward and met, creating uh, trouble and making a bit of an overlap and getting into the box. Uh, yeah, to me, like got the, got the touch was, uh, I mean, I guess the argument would be like, did he have it under control? But the argument then the other way is, well, he was then denied the opportunity to regather the ball by essentially just being completely. You got body checked. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and I think like another like abstraction, but and not quite the same, but similar to like which was then given a penalty in the over here in the Australia Cup. The Mariners, you know, Dan Hall, you know, tripped and then like fell on the back of the, the player, like, and the keeper was going to get the ball anyway, but they've given it a, you know, and it was a, and it, I mean, it was a penalty, but yeah, like, you yeah, just go, like, how do you, how can you take out the, the attacking player in the box? very clearly not go really and not take the ball, the ball yeah. and not give it a penalty. Um, <clears throat> which I guess then brings us to the, the second penalty shout, which was Oscars, which I sort of tend to agree with your um, sentiment that seemed like it was a bit uh, like Oscar sort of maybe made a bit of a meal of the little bit of contact that was there. There was, there was a bit of a hand in the back, but not enough to send him flying, I don't think. Yeah, it, it felt it to me like... It felt like the, he maybe looked over his shoulder and went, yeah. oh, this might be a bit of a hit, and just sort of went, well, I'll see if I can, if I can just Buy get a penalty, this yeah. instead. Yeah, no, that's right. It felt like the defender had his hands on his back, but didn't actually push necessarily, and then Oscar just took the um, took the encouragement, um, which is why I'm surprised that in, um, in the fallout from the game that most of the discussion's been around, well... The penalty in the second half might have been soft, but we, we deserved one for Oscar. When I thought the Greaves one was much more Stonewall. Um, Mike, what was your take on the two incidents? Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree. Um, the the Greaves one I've watched a few times, and if there's no defender there, I still don't think he gets control of it. Um, and I understand that you know the defender takes him out of the contest, but I don't think there's a contest there. Um, if it wasn't such a strong, because I think he heads it. Um, so I think if it's not such a strong header, then it's a different story. Um, but that's rolling out any day of the week. Um, then the, yeah, Oscar, the second, I feel like a striker feels a hand in the back. They're flopping. Um, that being said, 
that could be given as a pen with a different ref in a different yeah. game. And I guarantee over the course of the season, we're not going to see just one of those pens given. We're going to see multiple and most likely it's going to happen against us. And then we're going to look back at the first game of the season and be like, well, where was ours? Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, it's, it's one of those situational decisions. Yeah. I and feel, then I feel like oh. that statement about the, the refs and, and like could apply to all three of the, the big penalty related yeah. decisions. Like it, it, they're all so, I, I don't want to say 50 50, but like none were clear cut. Yeah. You could perceive, can conceivably like agree with the referee's assessment on to give or not give pretty much any three of those um, decisions. So it's- Which brings me to the actual penalty and the shock that. So many people, such a common narrative, consistent narrative has been that it was a dive. Um, Mike, I'll start with you on this one because I know we've sort of looked at it a number of times and we discussed it before we went to air as well. That our interpret, well, my interpretation, I'll start with, I'll just give mine, was that he was struck, he was hitting the ankle, first of all, no balls taken. So that's a clear foul. So regardless of how he falls to the ground, it's a foul and therefore a penalty. but then the fact that he takes that step and stumbles and then goes down, I think it's because of how big he is and how slowly he goes down that it looks so like over dramatized and like sort of exaggerated. But I think it's just him losing his balance and then just saying like, I, you know, I just falling to the ground. Um, but do you yeah. sort of, yeah. How, how do you view it? Yeah. It's an interesting one. And I think it's probably my most watched video over the past couple of days. Uh, there's, I feel, I said this offline, but my mind changes every time I watch it. Uh, there's contact. And I think there are photos that show that there's a foot uh, that goes in. It's the step and fall for me that it's as if he's trying to convince the ref it's not a pen by yeah. convincing him it's a pen by falling over. Um, and it's almost like, I'm it's sh- almost like you should give it because look at me trying to be good and keep my balance, but I'll still go yeah. over. Yeah. The, the, the other thing is he grabs his ankle and rolls around a little bit. Yeah. He, he could, he didn't need to then step, fall over, grab his ankle. Um, but rule of the law, I guess there was contact. It stopped him, I guess, from taking a shot or from, from, uh, you know, let, letting the ball go falls over. It's a pen. <clears throat> As we said, yeah. that can be not given in the next game. Yeah. Dan? Um, yeah, look, I remember, like, in the chat, I think I said, wow, that was a slow collapse or something something to that, um, to like that. Uh, but I think, like, the fact that there's, like, I, I, sort of as you said, like, on a technical level, the defenders slid in and studs are showing for one. But he makes contact with the player and doesn't win ball. So regardless, I think, of what happens after that, unless they manage to put the ball in the net on the next touch, it's a pen. Um, my thing on the, like, fall is perceivably, yeah, like Mike's interpretation um, can, can work. My, my other option, I guess, is, like, just from my experience uh, is that sometimes you don't necessarily feel the contact at first, but until you go to make, like, then you like take that next step, take, yeah, take, right. take the pressure off and then put it back on essentially. Yeah. And so what I sort of was like, maybe it's sort of like that, like the contact is there. It's in the sort of spur of the moment. He's still going. He tries to take the step. He replants that foot and then goes, Oh no, this isn't going to work. And, and is pe- perhaps why it looks so like slow and clumsy and s- strange. Um, it's, but... it's funny. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause that, that was exactly my first instinct was, sometimes you get knocked and you don't actually feel the knock until you take that next step. And then you go, Ooh, that, that's sore. And then you sort of like fall over. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting. But uh, yeah, I was just surprised that pretty much everyone, the narrative was that it was a dive and that it was, that he conned the, like even Bernsey was coming out of the game, Peter Swan as well, coming out of the game saying, that's not a pen, it's a dive, that sort of thing. I just, I was, you know, if it's clear on replays that there's no contact and he's just gone down, that's very different to, to I think, what happened. But, um, oh, well, we'll see what happens next game. I think well, um, one thing I really, sorry, yeah. just no, while we're talking, one thing I really like to be able to see is, like, if, if only the refs had, like, a body cam or something and then you could see, like, what they see mm. on those moments because that would make, like, understanding some of these decisions, like, Potentially, I mean, probably doesn't make, probably won't make any difference at all, but potentially makes them so like a lot easier to, 
to understand and accept, particularly with like some of those contentious ones where you go, well, that was clearly a handball. And then you see where the ref's like standing and there's eight bodies in the way. It's like, oh, you can't even see the ball at that moment. How's he supposed to call that? You can just bring VAR into the championship. I think I think they are talking about some form of VAR in the championship. Um, and I think I've seen Premier League games where they sort of have that 3D representation of the pitch and they do show what the ref can see. But And, like, even to the point where they can have VR goggles on and they can be like, oh, this is what the ref can see. Like, what, what are you obstructed by? But, yeah, I think it's a bit, uh, bit fancy for the championship. Yeah. I don't even necessarily, like, want VAR. I don't necessarily want those decisions to be overturned um, because sometimes mm. that's such a long, shitty process. Mm. I would do, like my thing is just to be able to like to be if I can see what like see what the ref sees and I, I can at least understand and accept like when they make bad calls because sometimes you go well you know, you know he should have seen that why didn't he and you go but if you can just see like well you know x y and z was prohibiting him you know or preventing him from being able to see that moment clearly you know or like from that particular angle even though a camera angle shows it differently like that perspective looks like he doesn't make contact or that perspective looks like he wins the ball. Or or even having refs mic'd up like they are in Aussie rules mm. here, um, where you can then get that understanding of, you know, they might say like, oh, yeah. you know, I couldn't see any contact or, you know, I can see, I, I saw the, I saw the tackle on the ankle or whatever it would be to justify the decision mm. um, could help as well. Um, okay. Well, I'll start with you, Mike, um, before we move on to our next section um, and I'll get your three, two, one votes for this match. Um, Seri, uh, Tufan, and Oscar. Good shouts. Okay, and Dan? Um, we've all gone very similar to start, but very different end. I went Seri for three, Ali for two, and Ingram for one for a couple of very important saves. Yeah, nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, and so as you said, we've, I think we've, we've all gone Seri for the three votes, um, and then our twos and our ones are completely different, which is really interesting. And actually speaks to the fact that the whole team played quite well in this one. I, I went Greaves for two. I thought his um, his runs forward were really uh, really awesome to see, and I think he's stepping up again this season. Um, and then Tete for the one, because I think he was pretty much involved in both goals. I think he won the throw-in that um, Elder threw in for the uh, Seri winner at the end as well. So he got my one vote in that one. <clears throat> okay. Um, just going to briefly touch on um, off-field discussion. Um, we sort of talked last week, uh, Logan and myself, about the players that we were linked to in the Premier League uh, potentially coming in. I guess not a whole lot to add on that this week um, without any more news in that sense. Maybe just briefly from each of you, I guess it's funny, it's amazing what a win can do to your sort of perspective of the transfer window, but I've actually stopped obsessively looking at transfer news each day now that we've got that win on the board. I think if we'd lost, I would have been much more keen to get players in and see what was happening there. But now I'm sort of just sitting back and saying, oh, yeah, okay, potentially Pelkis is coming in. I think I saw uh, you mentioned that this morning, Dan, that that might be happening quite soon. Potentially, I think I saw um, a name linked was Onima at um, Fulham as like a defensive midfielder potentially coming in or a creative midfielder potentially coming in. But, um, yeah, I don't know, Mike, I'll, I'll start with you on this one, but... How are you feeling about the transfer window now that we've got a game under our belt and uh, maybe don't feel as much pressure to, to reinforce as we did a week ago? I, I still think we're pressured to find that number 10. Mm. Um, I still yeah. think we need someone that just just sits behind um, our strikers and, and just unlocks them because I think the biggest thing for us is going to be service to those strikers and, and that's when they're really going to perform. So, yeah, you mentioned Pelkas. Uh, I didn't hear about Onoma. Uh, I'm I'm trying to stay away from speculation. I think you know that, that the entire preseason, I was like, I won't believe it until I see the official uh, post, which I'll take forever to get out anyway. Well, I was going to uh, ask, do you, do you, what, what's your what's your uh, view on Adama Traore? Is he a Hull player or is he not? <laughs> yeah, honestly, who knows? Um, to me, not yet. I think he's like a. A free agent. He's a January, sign- he's a January yeah, signing. Yeah, he's a January signing. Um, <laughs> Christmas present. Which, yeah, I, I still think it's like it's important for us not to forget that he's there because he could still be really good for the second half of the season, especially yeah. if we get other injuries. Like we know we've got him on standby. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm more just keen to to see the window wrap up um, and and just get kind of just cracking and and just head down and and just perform. So hopefully, you know, we get another a number ten, uh, and maybe another 
I'm not even sure we need uh, another, like maybe a, a defensive midfielder. Uh, if we can get those two, those two put together, then I think we've got a very strong squad. Yeah, good shout. How about you, Dan? Um, yeah, look, I think for me, it's just like the I've sort of stopped paying too much attention to the transfer speculation. I think just that the season has started. Like it's mm. it's here now, and if this is this like if nothing changed and this was the squad we had, well, then we just, this is what we have to deal with. And I'm sort of like, now the season started, I don't, you know, if we add to it, it's a bonus. And if, if we don't, um, I guess like the result maybe yeah, indicates that we've got enough that we can get by. Um, I sort of don't necessarily see, like it's a good result, but I don't necessarily know if it was a fully convincing performance to me. Um, even though we did, I think Mark mentioned that earlier, that we did, we did dominate for large periods, but just there was... I don't know. There was obviously a big improvement since preseason, but um, yeah, I'm just I'm still waiting for. I think hopefully, I guess hopefully, it just continues, and over the next few weeks, we'll see like a full ninety-minute performance where we just blow a team away. Because I feel like we do have the. We seem to. Have, I think we've got a squad with enough firepower in there to really like be, you know, putting some teams to the sword. So yeah, um, they just need time to settle. Yeah, yeah well, and that's true. Um, in terms of yeah, the transfer stuff. I mean, I was just thinking like I, I buggered up too far. And Mike didn't want to have a go at uh, Esther Pinen, or if, if that's even how it is. And then I'd seen us linked to some Turkish striker from Brentford, and I can't remember it was like yeah. Dennis Goldblum or something. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to have a go at that. I think I gave that a crack last week, but I think I think we're going to find a lot of players like Ali with uh, with nicknames that make it a bit easier for us. Um, not, not meaning any disrespect to them, of course, but I think it's, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Would it be more disrespectful just to give them a, a nickname or to, to mispronounce their name constantly? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I just, think... I, listen to me. Once they sign or like, you just wait for them to do it in the call and then eventually once yeah. they settled on our pronunciation, we just mimic that. Well, I noticed that Fletch in the call uh, was calling Oscar Oscar, but then he was calling uh, Ali Elias Asaid Manesh. Like he was giving me his full name every time. I was like... Yeah, okay. You can use a nickname or something, but that's all right. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, look, I think looking at the bench, it looked really thin on the weekend, but I think it's easy to forget how many injuries we have at the moment and how many players are out of the squad at the moment. Uh, like Cynic, we haven't even seen, and he's sort of waiting in the wings as well, talking about Traore. I mean, Cynic's another one that, I mean, I guess would play that sort of wing role, maybe in that creative 10 role as well. So, um until he hits the ground running, it's hard to hard to get a good judge on him as well. Um, we've got Wilkes who's still at the club, although I, I wouldn't be shocked if he moves out as well. Um, so I guess probably still a bit of business to go each way. Um, just quickly before we move on, I'm conscious we're already we're already uh, running pretty long on the on the podcast. So I won't go too long on this bit, but um, I did want to touch on briefly Shotter and to give him his fair dues because I think I've been pretty critical of him in the preseason and skeptical about his place at the club um especially even when the lineup came out with ali at left wing back and i was just saying what, what the hell is going on what is this lineup uh fair play to him i i think as you said dan compared to preseason i think we look brilliant in this game um i mean it's one game we don't want to knee jerk and overreact too much but how's your opinion on shot stand at, at the moment look i think for any manager uh wins are the currency that they like that they keep their jobs like with that was a terrible mixed metaphor or something but you know what i mean like yeah i, I think and i and i we've we sort of said like over the second half of last season that we could see you know there was some level of improvement and there was some like explanation about like why they started like why they kept before kept the formation that they were using going and like why they you know didn't dip too much in the transfer markets and that sort of stuff. They said, like, let's just try and keep some stability, get through this season, and then we'll have a crack next year. Um, and we're at next year. And uh, as with you, through a lot of those preseason games, it was there was some moments where I'm like, what is, like, what's, what is going on? And, I, you know, you go, okay, well, maybe this game, they're just, they're really working on, you know, those processes and working on their, you know, their, their triggers and those sorts of things as to like the game, the, the style of play that Shotter wants them um, to develop. But I, I, I thought, sort of thought that as we got closer and closer to the season, we would see a game where they just went like as and treated it as if it was four, three points. 
and we never really saw one of those. I get the impression that the Peterborough game was supposed to be that from yeah. Shotter's comments afterwards where he said, like, I don't know, like, I'm fully, I'm just so disappointed. I don't know what to say. Um, <clears throat> it gives me the impression that they, that the players didn't really uh, read the script for that night. Um, but I think, yeah, look, I, he obviously, I don't know whether he whether it was did his homework or whatever, but he seemed to get it mostly right, you know, on the weekend. Um, and I think we're starting to really see with maybe it's through the players or whatever, or just time, but really starting to see the football that he has been talking about wanting to play. So yeah, good signs moving forward. Good stuff. And yeah, Mike, where, where do you stand on Shutter at the moment? Um, I, I think I, I'll echo what Dan said, but something that I'd really like to see is uh, the, the pitch cams of like the reactions. And, yeah. and I think seeing his reaction, like he is passionate and he, he clearly set out to achieve something uh, in the game. And, and I think what I really liked was that he managed to, to do that with a limited team at hand, given how many people are out. So whether that's the tactics he wanted to play before the injuries were there or not, uh, the fact that he can adapt is is something that I like. Obviously, I know it's been one game and, and a preseason, but it seems like it's not just I'm going to play the same formation every single time and hope that something changes, which I know we've had in the past. So it's it's nice to see that change. I think you know the first time Grant switched to a three at the back, we won, and then it was, okay, maybe this actually works as opposed to continuously trying to play a four and have it work. Yeah. So I've got, I've got some confidence uh, and, and I guess we'll, we'll see what happens uh, at Preston. Absolutely. Well, well, we'll preview Preston in a second, but first of all, we will uh, have another round of our game, our Who Am I game, um, which Logan got first crack at last week. Now, I haven't done this with two people before, so what I might do is after each clue, give you each a guess. Um, I guess it's just going to be whoever gets it right first because I can't really keep it. I've done this a bunch of times. If you just want to throw it to Mike, go Uh, right ahead. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Maybe we can do that. Mike, have you played this one before? Uh, I have not, and I'm terrified that I'm going to absolutely mess this up. So was I, and then I... Got it for like I think it was the yeah. second clue or something. So so so, so I'll fine. give so it's fine. a player it's a player from like the last five or six years. So it's not like someone completely random. Um, I'll essentially so I'll give you a clue uh, of their league appearances and league goals for City, and then you can have a guess. Um, then I'll give you a clue about uh, the year that they joined and the year they departed, and I'll I'll throw in the club that they signed from. I think that's a reasonable clue to add in there. Um, and then I'll give you their position and their nationality and then finally i'll give you their initials so i I think i think i'd hope that you can sort of get it by the end but we'll see how we go no promises (laughs) so the first clue is i made 84 appearances for city and scored nine goals you said it's over the last five or six years right yeah just about yeah yeah um, You're going to get it first time and it's going to be the funniest thing. Nah. Do you want the next clue? Wait, give me a sec. Is there, is there a time limit? I get no, half an no. hour, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go next clue. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see. You might be able to get it from this one, I reckon, because it's. I joined City in 2015, signing from Chesterfield, and departed in 2017. Chesterfield. I feel like Dan, I can see it look on Dan's face, Dan knows. I think I do, yeah. This so, a, yeah, this is disappointing. So, so 2015, so that was under Bruce? Yeah. And end of 2017 was uh, Silver? Just for context. Uh, he went to Swansea, I think, didn't he? Yeah. I, re- I reckon Dan's got it. It's not Clucas, oh. is it? Yeah, it is. There you go. Well done. <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't sure if, if I give the club that they joined from and departed mm. to. I feel like that's maybe too much of a clue, but I think... As soon as you like, said Chesterfield, I was like, and you were like 2015, I was like, yeah, I don't think this is. That's the right yeah, thing. That, like, one just, that one popped real easy in my head. Yeah, because I was like... <laughs> Chesterfield, 
I was like, that's it's not a common club that we would have signed many players from. So my no. first thought just off the first clip was actually like Snodgrass or something like that. Off the eighty four oh, yeah. and nine. I don't know what yeah. the numbers actually are, but I was like, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have scored that many more than maybe he would have scored like twelve or something, but it wouldn't mm. have been that many more. Because I was like, oh, because he, I was like, he's there for a couple of seasons. I was like, oh, he probably got more than eighty four. I was like, oh, but then he was injured like straight away. Yeah, like, he stuck his knee on a sprinkler or something. He's dumb. permanently injured. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, actually, because he pretty much, yeah, he he would have returned from injury in that twenty fifteen season, so he would have yeah, played just about the same number of games as Clue. Actually, he would have played less because he left. January, whereas Kluka stayed till the summer. Anyway. If you'd been really struggling, Mike, I probably I was tempted to throw in a clue about scoring a screamer against Watford. I don't know if that would have yeah. helped. <laughs> it would have. Uh, cool. Anyway, uh, well, we'll move on then. We'll, we'll do the previews of. Uh, we've got two games this week. We've got Preston on the weekend, and then we play Bradford City during the week. Um, we'll start with the Preston game. Um, obviously, beat them four one in the opening game of last season before losing to them one nil in February of this year. Uh, they drew their opening game against Wigan and had a pretty horrendous red card for Chad Evans in that one as well. I don't know if you've seen the footage of that. He basically plants his foot in the uh, in the Wigan player's chest, and it's like the definition of a reckless ta- tackle. Um, like the player's on the ground, so it's not like he's like flown through the air, but it's still pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start with you, Mike. Um, thoughts on, I guess, first of all, confidence going into this one and then any potential changes that you'd make to the side? Yeah, uh, I think Chad Evans just didn't want to play against us, so he thought <laughs> best to just get myself sent off. Um, I'm look whenever we're not playing, whenever we we are in off season, I'm the most negative Nazi you'll ever speak to. During the season, I tend to have a, a positive streak to me, uh, so I I have a feeling like this is going to be a pretty solid game. Uh, you know, having Elder play the last couple, the last I think it was like what 20, 30 minutes. Um, I think maybe 20 in the game uh, probably means he wasn't as sick as we thought he may have been. I thought he was a complete write-off for the game. Uh, in saying that, changes to our side, I would put Elder in that left-back position. That's that's his natural. And then if we want to, uh, I'd put Oscar and Ali next to each other up front. Uh, I probably wouldn't make any other changes other than the bench. Um, I'd, you know, I'd get rid of Smith full stop. Uh, I think he just just didn't have an impact, and and when he's when you're up front and and you know he's he's, a, he's not slow he's a quick guy it just didn't feel like he was committed enough, um, so I would yeah maybe put I think Wilkes is meant to be back I put Wilkes on the bench yeah. I want to keep Koval on the bench I think I was really happy to see Koval on the bench in the first game and get a run out I think that was his his professional <laughs> debut as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the big one for me is is swapping Ali and Elder. Yeah, good shout. Um, Dan, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I pretty much sort of echo Mike's uh, suggestions. Just fill that bench out with those um, players that are returning, which means, because I think it was Longman, Wilkes and Williams, who I think are... Yeah, potentially fitting again for the weekend. So, yeah. you know, if you throw them on, and you know, then you the bench doesn't look as depleted as it did, um, you know, on the weekend before. So that I mean, in terms of lineup changes, yeah, I think obviously, I guess just depending. I haven't heard anything about Figueroa, so hopefully it's not too mm. um, serious. But if he's, I mean, obviously then it just becomes like if he's unavailable, then you just slot Maca back in there. But yeah. Yeah, easy. And and confident for a win? Look, I'm more confident than I was a week ago. I was pretty uh, pessimistic about our chances heading into the first game. Um, <clears throat> but now I feel like I'm being greedy, like being confident about getting two in, two out of two to start the season. So I'm really, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm confident that we'll at least like turn up and perform. Um, yeah. That's what I was worried about. There's going to be a real slow burn start to the season. But, um, you know, the Bristol game has has wipe those fears from my mind so i'm confident that we'll turn up and we'll play um and then tired cliche you know anything can happen once they cross the white line well we've got to knock uh we've got to knock honeyman's mob out of first place don't we we've got to back it up with a, a win to to knock them out but um yeah look I'm, I'm pretty confident 
Yeah, exactly right. Stop the count. Well, we were first after the first round last year as well, weren't we? Because I saw um, they did like a breakdown of who spent how many days in each position in the table. And there was like three teams were first over the whole season and we were one of them, which is pretty wild. Maybe there's like four teams. But um, yeah, look, I'm pretty confident heading into this one for pretty much the same reasons that you guys have said. I think the manner of our performance against Bristol City gives me a lot of confidence for this one. Um and I guess the fact as well that we've got the full week, it's not like it's a midweek game and players like Tufan and Seri do have that time to recover and, and Oscar and Tete as well get up to speed a bit more. Elder has time to recover. Yeah, I think Elder in for Smith essentially with Ali going up forward is probably the only change I'd make if Figgy's fit. If he's not, bring Macker in um, and just roll with that. But um, yeah, like I'd probably see like maybe a 2-1 win again, maybe a 2-0 if we're pretty sharp but uh yeah I'd be pretty pretty confident going into that one just, um the only the only thing i'll say is I, i'm just worried about emil reese um true he scored six he scored 16 last season uh yeah he did have archer up front with him though so missing archer he's their primary goal threat um, i i thought you were going to say that you're worried about your curse and the fact that every time you come on the podcast we get yeah, to the next game <laughs> Look, you asked me to come back. I came back. So, if yeah, anything, got, got, this isn't on me. This is on nah, you. It is. It is. We've got to break that curse eventually, don't we? I, I, I don't. Yeah. Know, I don't have the full stat record, but it's been. It's been. Um. It's been amazing. How how much? I mean. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, we've also got the Bradford City game in the cup, uh, which is really only note. Well, it's notable because it's Mark Hughes managing League Two side, which is pretty interesting. Um. But of course, they've also got Richie Smallwood there as captain. Um, who seems to have a habit of he'll join a new club and instantly be made captain. So he must be a very uh, must have a very strong interview to um, kind of talk talk these managers around straight away. But I didn't realize we haven't played them since two thousand and five, and before then, not since ninety five ninety six. So it's been a fair while between drinks um, playing them. Uh, so it'll be a good ground tick for a number of um, I think it's away at their ground um, city supporters to go for that one. Speaking of um, red cards, though, I, I don't know if anyone saw Lee Tomlin made his debut for Bradford on the weekend, got two yellow cards inside about 60 seconds, where I think he got the first yellow for time-wasting and then basically tried to con the ref into a free kick because another player, like, touched him and he fell to the floor and um, managed to get, pick up a second yellow card and get sent off, which I, I found quite funny. Um yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll start with you, Dan. Just general thoughts for the cup game. I guess it's a good opportunity to, if we've got fit players, <laughs> rotate and give the squad a bit of a chance of a run out. Um, but for, for, for the first time in quite a while, I'm I'm not as fussed about a cup run this season. Yeah, look, I, I feel like, I guess it depends how the game goes on the weekend. But I dare say this might be a game where... Obviously, all those fringe first teamers are gonna, you know, get a run. I'd expect to see, you know, assuming they're they're fit enough, but see Williams and Longman and those kind of guys start. Um, but I probably also am thinking there'll be a few of those under twenty ones or under twenty threes. You know, Andy Smith, those kind of guys um, who have been in and around through preseason, um, maybe uh, filling that out and having a getting a run out just because I think it's so early in the season and we've already got a congested schedule because of the World Cup for this first uh, couple of months that it's so early in the season to be doing like three game weeks yeah. um, for especially for some of the, you know, for someone, you know, Tufan, for example, like who we're assuming needs to get up to fitness or, you know, or that was the suggestion from every Watford fan ever plus, um you know, observations from preseason. So um, some of those guys who are still potentially getting up to fitness, I think, you know, they might get a rest um, and then we'll, you know, throw in some youngsters, throw in fringe players, get everyone a run um, just to – and then I, I, I'm sort of with you. Like, do, it'd be nice, but also, like, there's so much going on this year and I feel like we're going to have a congested first half of the season, then we'll have a World Cup and then we'll have a congested back half of the season. We could probably do without the extra congestion. Mm. I mean, I guess the only thing I, I would think is if we did get through and got like a Premier League club, it would be nice to sort of see how much more we mm. can match up with the Premier League side, but it's such a low priority in my mind at least. Um, Mike, how do you see this game and potential changes to the lineup? Yeah, I agree. Uh 
I don't think it's as important. If anything, I'd play basically the same team we played Cambridge with, uh, which was basically our under 23s. Uh, and then Elder as captain. So I, I chuck in like one or two, three senior players and then just fill that up with with people like Koval and Jevin Mills, uh, just a really young team because they're still hungry to play. Uh, whereas our first team would probably be tired. They, they wouldn't see it as as equal to the league given that, you know, at the end of the season, there's, there's the reward of potential promotion. Yeah. Uh, given the end of a league cup, there's, yeah, you lift the trophy, but it also means nothing. Uh, so uh, if you, if you said to me, could, you know, if, if you offered me the league cup this season, I'd be, and, yeah, but and if like, I offered you the cup first promotion or like cup first playoffs, what uh, would you pick? It's, that is actually a hard one. The cup stays with you forever. Like we've never won silverware. Like, even, even the bloody pizza trophy a couple of seasons ago, I, I wouldn't have turned down promotion for it, but I would have pretty trophy. happy to win it. Yeah, I know. well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, like in, in this one, I, I completely agree in terms of the players. Um, the one I wonder about, or a couple of players I wonder about, is guys like Tete, Cynic, things like that. If Cynic's anywhere close to fitness, give them the, like the last 20 minutes in this one as well. Like if mm. Tete doesn't start on the weekend against Preston, that's two cameos off the bench. I'd almost give him like 45 minutes in the Bradford game just to give give him those minutes because, I don't know, knock on wood, but like if Oscar went down injured or something and you're expecting Ted A to start, you'd want him to have minutes under the belt to kind of get him up to speed. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's not really worth doing a like a score prediction or a win prediction. Seven this one. I guess it's, yeah, seven. <laughs> Sorry, was that the was that what Preston's going to beat us by? Is it Mike? No, that's not. <laughs> well, look, um, yeah, we've got these two games to look forward to. It's going to be a brilliant week. Um, always helped with a city win to get us off to a flying start to the season and uh, flying start to the podcast season as well. Thanks for joining me, both of you. Thanks, Mike. No, oh, of course. Happy to be here. We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see if depending on the result, I'll come back. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, thanks again, Dan. Yeah, no worries. I shouldn't have passed off that. Uh, who am I? I was going to say, I would have smashed that. <laughs> Smash that one. Um, yeah, too easy. Well, thanks everyone else for listening in this week. We'll be back next week to review these two games that we've discussed. Um, but until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Odds. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back cause you're